Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so that you can do what? That's what we all love. That's creating products that customers love. And I have someone to help us do a better job with that. That's because product managers are doers. We make change happen. We're many CEOs after all, right? Okay, now here's the big difference between being a product manager and a CEO. CEOs actually can make change happen. They have the authority to do so. Us product managers, not quite so much. And yet we are doers and we still bring about change. We have to sell our ideas, overcome roadblocks, and get others to join our cause. It helps if we love the work that we do in the process. Our guest is going to help us accomplish these things even better. She is a doer herself with a history of helping organizations create technology products to solve problems, including being a product manager director at IDEO, senior director of innovation at Autodesk, and a mentor at Stanford Latino Entrepreneur Leaders Program. Most recently, she has codified the steps for being a doer in an organization in her book, Start Within, How to Sell Your Idea, Overcome Roadblocks, and Love Your Job. Her name is Karen Holst, and she'll share some of these steps in this discussion to help you excel as a product manager. Also, remember, we take notes for you. The notes are a great way to review key points and also share these ideas with your colleagues. Further, we've prepared an action guide for you to put the key insights from the discussion with Karen into action or use it as a tool to discuss the ideas with others in your group. You'll find both the summary and the action guide at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 292. Now to the discussion. Karen, thank you for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Woohoo, thank you. I'm very glad we got connected. We actually got connected through a uh, mutual friend. He actually was a past guest on the podcast. And I'm looking around my desk right now to see if I have this. Of all the people I've interviewed, so there's been, what are we at, like 280-something now? They're often very kind afterwards. They usually say, hey, that was a great, great interview. You're very professional, all these good things. He is the only one who has sent me a handwritten card. Now, does that sound like Douglas? Yes, and that that... And that's so me too, which tells me something about why I was drawn to him and, and the work that he does, that we both do that. I didn't know he did that. <laughs> it's amazing. So I, I, this was just the most thoughtful thing. It really is. That's amazing. Yeah. Physically, it's just a very, I, I pay attention to these things. Physically, it's a very nice card, right? It's a custom card with his letterhead yeah. um, and, and just a great little note on it. So Douglas. I've enjoyed him coming into my, my ecosystem and likewise meeting you to talk about a book, but first, uh, you have this rich background in things related to product in some sense, right? Co-founding a couple of companies, working different places. There's a few specific ones I want to ask you about. One is you were IDEO for a while, and anyone involved in the product management space, innovation space probably knows them. And you know, at one point, they were my dream job, not one I pursued, but a place you would want to go to if you're involved in innovation. Um, what was a key takeaway for you from IDEO? There's so many. I, I will say that the people there are some of the most thoughtful and kind humans. You go into a room, they're, they're eager, eager to learn from you and your background. And then you turn it around and say, well, tell me more about you. And then you, you feel like you're this small because of the stuff that they've accomplished. So they're very, just the best people. And, and I think attracting that is part of the culture and mm-hmm. what the value, you know, they value 
and they don't just have it up on the wall. It's they live it, which makes it really nice. And they don't hire any jerks. Like they really believe in that and they, they follow it. So it's important. It contributes to the culture, right? Hiring good people that can work well together. And my first experience with IDEO is probably similar for a lot of people who have gone back and found the shopping cart video, which was a ABC Nightline. But basically a challenge they gave to IDEO said, you know, build something new in a week. And you got to see their process uh, on this TV show. And it was amazing. They came up with a new shopping cart for grocery stores and how they went through that, which was essentially design thinking before it was called design thinking, right? They're the authors of that. Okay, so that was really good for IDEO. Culture matters, people matters, having a team that works well together. Another one is Autodesk, also a company admired by many. And same, same question. I'm curious, you know, key lesson learned from that environment. Yeah, much bigger company and super, the group that I worked with were uh, in the media and entertainment side of things. So really inspiring work coming from their products, very old company and been around for many years and publicly traded and thinking about that, it's different, right? To, To innovate within a smaller team that's meant to move quickly. And then you're within this larger organization and you're trying to find the right process to follow, the right you know, points to bring in insights and ideate. So my, my biggest realization there was it doesn't look the same company to company, the way that we do this work and allowing for that upfront anthropologist mode of you know, how, do, how do things work around here? Where will I fit? How can I make an effect change? Um, that takes time. You can't just go in there and bulldoze. And, and I think bigger organizations you really need to do that. I think you should do that within startups even is just, you know, take a, take a lay of the land before you dive in. Okay. The sounds kind of connected to writing I've seen from you more recently, as I was looking at into your background, Th- this contrast that you found, I, I wonder if that influenced, like you have this LinkedIn course, uh, LinkedIn learning for product managers. And some of that sounds to me like, you know, having to deal with barriers that are in place when you're trying to do something new and breaking through that. Did, did those experiences contribute to creating that learning? Yes. I, I talked to a CEO at South by Southwest one year and was describing my course that I was creating and the, the book that I would be writing and saying, you know, where have you seen success and how have you unlocked product managers and product leaders to do their best work? And he said, let, let me tell you about when I didn't do it right, when I wasn't a CEO and I was a product leader within an organization, and I went to my CEO explaining how we needed to pivot, how we needed to do this big change, and I had all the data to back it up, and I just didn't, you know, it didn't happen. And eventually, the company went under, and and I folded my arms, thinking, "Yeah, I told you so. I could see that coming." And many years later, after I was a CEO, I ran into that ex CEO and said, "You know, how are you doing? You know, now that I'm a CEO, I can empathize with with what you're going through." And his boss. His previous boss looked at him and said, you know, the one thing that you didn't realize that I think you realize now is you're always selling your idea. It's you may be the mm-hmm. smartest person in the room. You may know the right solution, but if you can't sell it and communicate it where others are bought in, it's going to fall flat. And right. and that realization kind of flipped for him and, and how he wants to, to bring that in his product managers and his leaders is, you know, how do you sell that within the organization, not just being right? Right. Yeah. If it's a really good idea, everyone's going to hate it. Right. It's, it's, it takes you turning it into a story, convincing others that, that we need to pursue this and um, get some support for it. So, 
Okay, that's really good. Let's dive into the book, which is connected to some of the things we just talked about, that experience you've had helping product managers, specifically our audience. And the, the book covers innovation and breaking through barriers and the like. But you co-wrote it with that previous guest, Douglas Ferguson, so that we talked about that gave me that great card. And it's called Start Within, How to Sell Your Idea, just what we were talking about, How to Sell Your Idea, Overcome Roadblocks, and Love Your Job. First, that's such a great subtitle, right? The, the, those three elements, they, they hit my heart when I read that. It's like, okay, those are the things we need, need to do as innovators, as product managers. And if we end up loving our job in the process, wow, right? A huge one. So um, let's set the stage. Who did you write this book for? So myself <laughs> and people okay. like me. I, I was an entrepreneur. I had the startup got acquired, had a moment where I wanted to innovate within a larger organization, mostly because I didn't want the headache of being a founder. I needed a break from that and found that doing that work and having those constraints within within the organization was super empowering. Mm -hmm. And then I started to look around and say, where are my people? What are they talking about? And how do I you know, find the best resources? And a lot about innovation out there is about the culture, which is so, so important and teaching you know leaders how to cultivate that culture all very important. And then that leaves the doers empty handed. You're trying to do this work. Sure, the culture's out there and I will affect it how I can, but I just want to get started. And that's where Start Within started. <laughs> it was, it was the, the title was very literal and tactical. Start your ideas within the company. It evolved in that there's a lot within yourself that's holding you mm -hmm. back and doing this work. And that's how we break the book up. It's uh, yeah. ready, set, go. And the ready is looking at yourself and how you're playing a role within the larger organization and doing this work. But the the doers of the organization, that is who this book is for. Okay. So it is starting in the organization, taking action, but also taking action internally. And I'm glad you talked about that. So I, I've been on some listeners, I've heard of this a few times. I've been on this personal mindset journey for the last couple of years, which coming from an engineering background, someone who appreciates science, even just this notion of mindset rubbed me the wrong way. And it was a very, it's been a very helpful journey. And I find I, I have a group I check in with once a week and we're all entrepreneurs and we help each other with mindset sort of issues, right? Why, why aren't you getting your butt in gear and taking action on something at times, right? What, what's stopping you from that? And I find when I miss a week or two, it, it, it has an impact. I, I need that kind of mental reset in some sense, or my mindset doesn't go in the right, right direction, right? It's too easy to go a dark, dark place. So sometimes we have to figure out how to get out of our own way, right? Yes. Our brains are the container to do this. Everything is going to be held up there and how we do this work. And the more you feed it with new ideas, diversity and thinking, it's only going to add value later. And I talk about in the book, even bringing in the naysayers to your, your conversations and, and hearing the, the pessimistic side of things. You don't want to go too far. That will bring you down. If you're already in that mindset, finding the optimism and finding people that are more enthusiastic, that could be mm -hmm. your you know balance. But really, all of that is if you can fill your container with diversity and thinking and then challenges, then as you go after this kind of work, you'll start to have these little sparkles where you mm. have an aha moment and get to do it differently because you filled the container with new information. Right. Who doesn't want sparkles? Um, <laughs> on the naysayers, the getting the right naysayers to help you can be so powerful. Have you ever done the Myers-Briggs type indicator? You know, I just had a conversation about that the other day. I have, not for myself, but for teams, worked at companies where they kind of give yeah. you that and you know who you're managing. 
And somehow I never got to do it for myself. And I was like, there's some layer of self-awareness that I am missing out on having never done that because I've done other ones. Um, But I don't know my own, but I am aware of it. I'm an ISTJ. So there's lots of these personality assessment type of tools, right? DISC and others that are popular. And I find them really helpful, like you said, for teams, right? They're really good for team building. And I did once with one once with the Center for Creative Leadership and did it in BTI again. And the two people that was, this was a six day immersive program, right? And the two people that rubbed me the wrong way the most through this leadership development program, I think they were both ENTFPs. And so the letters don't really matter, but they were my exact opposite, right? Of my personality type. And I avoided them. They were annoying to me. After we did the exercise to explore this personality type thing and why we have different perspectives, they became my favorite people uh, to seek out. And I said, oh, we, we have to be on a team together because we're better when we're on a team together because we help each other think so differently. That was a really key, you know, kind of flip in my brain to say, there are naysayers that can really help me do a better job and embracing them is important. It's uncomfortable to do that. And kudos to you, by the way, for doing it. I think if we don't find those edges where we allow for the uncomfortableness to occur, um, we get stuck, we get in a rut, Mm. we get in either the same way of doing things, same way of thinking. And, you know, the people component is the easiest one to want to shut out. But one of the most nutritious places to look for that kind Mm. of, again, the sparkles. Right, exactly. Right. The notion of innovation occurring with the lone wolf you know, you go off in the garage and you do something yourself, uh, really almost is absent from history, right? We, we don't have true examples of that. So we need others. Karen does have more specific insights coming for us doers, but I want to take a moment to encourage you as a product manager. I see companies placing more emphasis on product managers, recognizing the value you create for the organization. One action they are taking is getting more training. Some of these companies are choosing to work with me for this, and I don't take this lightly at all. While many functions are needed to make an organization work, and I have experience with many of them, product management and product managers is what I love. I help them get higher performance using my RPM experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. One company is Motorola. The director of product management there shared, I had to get my team performing well for a high stakes, tight deadlines product project. I wanted a full perspective and not narrow focuses that others provide. The RPM experience delivered, and now we have expanded it to all our product managers. I recommend it to anyone. I was so honored to be able to help Motorola. The RPM experience equips product managers and product teams for higher performance, and it was designed to be a virtual experience, making it perfect for geographically dispersed teams and remote work. Get the details and schedule time with me to discuss your needs at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. Okay, let's get back to this, this doer. Uh, I, I like the phrase, the, the doer inside the organization. So you kind of talked about two things going on there, roadblocks and mindset. Give us a little bit more color around this, maybe some examples. What is getting in the way of doers not taking action? So I think two things happen. One is you're waiting for permission. You're mm. waiting for the title Maybe you're looking around and you're seeing others that have permission and you think, well, that's not me, so it must be just for them. There's also exclusivity around the terms that are used. And Mm -hmm. there's articles upon articles about this. Let's not call it innovation because that feels, you know, for the C-suite, that feels like brilliant physicists can do innovation and that's not what I'm doing. When you're launching new ideas, you are innovating and it can lead to revolutionary ideas. It doesn't have to just be incremental. 
But even if it is just incremental, that's innovation. And I think letting those two things go, those are just the, t- the titles and the words around it. It's about launching ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and the second part is not knowing where to start. The thing about innovation is you can look at lots of different processes and start with them as deeply rooted in design thinking because of my background at IDEO and my beliefs in, in human-centered design. But it's not, it's not a linear process. You're not going to be able to just dive right in and get started. And so the way the book is laid out is, is more like a playbook. And my Texas roots are going to show here. My, my, I really love college football. You know a good quarterback because they can memorize and just the play. a quick timeout. I, I lived in Texas for a short amount of time. And for people that are not used to this, high school football is <laughs> like college level for most everywhere else, right? Football is taken exceptionally seriously in, in Texas. So go back to yes. your college football story. <laughs> Yeah, so a, a good quarterback has all the plays memorized, great throw, can run like hell, all good stuff. A great quarterback can call the plays in action, can see how things are changing and how they need to change in that moment. They can actually lead to the touchdowns. That can lead to winning the game. And that's what I think innovation and launching ideas is all about. It's it's knowing the process for sure. It's knowing the different plays, which is what I cover and start with then, and then being able to pull that and say, oh, this feels like a moment to, to get stakeholder line and align alignment mm-hmm. because right now I'm I'm seeing things going, you know, the wheels are coming off the bus. Or, you know, this is an opportunity for me to rethink about how we communicate what the idea actually is and, and prototyping our way forward. So I, I think that's when when you get stuck and feel like, why am I not moving forward on my idea? Those are the key places that that fall together. Okay. Yeah, so the, the exclusivity around this, right? You, you don't have the position yet. The terminology gets in the way. That comes up so much of the time when I'm talking to people. We have disagreements about, well, well that's not really innovation. That's not really product management. It's like, are we doing something new? We're, we're pushing things forward. Then you're doing the right thing. You know, you said launching launching ideas. Not launching products, launching ideas, right? Putting new ideas into the, the kind of the ecosystem there. This notion of being able to do what is needed in the moment that takes someone that has a lot of different capabilities, you know, across areas to, you know, maybe higher emotional intelligence to recognize just what's going on and what's needed. Help us with some of the skills here that enable doers to be more effective. That's another reason why I wrote this book. I do not think doing this kind of work requires you to be charismatic and extroverted and a certain type of person, a salesy person. I I think that it doesn't have to be innate, but they can be learned skills and practicing is the first step toward it. So small ideas, I want to run this meeting, can lead to bigger ideas. I want to change my product and, and have it, you know, have new feature sets. I think recognizing that small steps and experiments can lead to that will teach you along the way. So you don't have to go all in on this big bet and put yourself out there. You can try these little iterative ways of showing leadership. I think one of the biggest skill sets for a, a person just beginning on this kind of work is embracing the beginner's mindset. And it's so it's not just trying to have a beginner's mindset, which can be very difficult, right? If we're experts in our field and the work, when you hear someone with an idea, you're like, well, I know why that's going to fail. And I can tell you the 10 reasons. It's, it's super important to try to let that go and listen. But beyond that, it's trying to explore the areas where you would have a beginner's mindset, where you're forced to. Hmm. It might be in a new industry. It might be in a new role within the, the same company. And that's where the ideas can really have opportunity to change. And so if you're going into it thinking, well, I'm the product knowledgeable person, so that's the role that I'm going to have. 
where where is the edge that you could bleed into and say, you know, I'd like to move a little bit into the marketing side. Maybe I can sit in on those meetings and help on that front. Or, you know, maybe it's the collaborative bringing teams together and facilitating the meetings. That's not something I typically do, but it could be an area of, you know, a growth edge. That's where it becomes this new evolving. The idea is great to anchor your work toward, but finding purpose and autonomy and really loving your job, mm. it's the idea is just happening. You're evolving around that. So I, I want to dwell on this topic just a, a little bit, embracing the beginner's mindset. So we were talking briefly before we started the interview that now having been a co-founder of organizations, CEO, contributing to the companies we mentioned, now you spend a good deal of your time helping companies you know, with problems related to the topics we're talking about, right? Innovation, doing more moving forward. And one of the things that you commented was you really enjoy that because it's a different environment all the time and there's new things to learn, right? And and you can come in with the beginner's mindset, right? And that's driving. I personally find that driving as well. But there's also product managers that take a lot of pride in being the expert in their domain and knowing that so well. To the point that I've seen more than once, one story Calls it has cleared my mind, but more than once where a product manager has been doing an interview with a customer, the right thing, right? We, we need insights from customers. We need to have contact with our customers and says, oh, you don't understand how this works. Let me explain it to you. When the, at, at the point the customer is trying to say, this is the problem I'm having, right? So the response should not be, you don't understand your problem, <laughs> right? And so, so there's some tension here, I think, and maybe it's just some of us are wired to say, yeah, we really appreciate the beginner's mindset and we see value in that. Maybe some of us are wired. We really want that deep domain experience and, and we're proud of that. I think we really need the beginner's mindset more times than not to do something new. But let's just yeah. talk about that a bit. What do you think? I can go lots of different directions in this. The, I, one part of the story that really stood out to me is if you know that you are too passionate about an idea to let it go and listen to insights and let it evolve, then that's a a great opportunity to say, look, I'm too close to this. I need someone Mm -hmm. else to lead this and and allow me to to listen and learn as an outsider. That takes a great level of self-reflection to call that out in yourself. As humans, we, we like to hear ourselves share a good idea and see nods and agreement. We're smart, right? This is, yes, I'm fabulous. That feels so good. And it's, hard when you're sharing your idea to let go of that, you know, whether you have a big ego or a little one, we all are just human. Let go of that and allow that feedback to come back. And, and what I talk about in the book to kind of break that down is know when you go into it, when you pitch this idea and you get feedback, you're not going to be able to cover all the bases. You're going to go into it knowing you're going to have questions and confusion that you could just very easily say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me go a little bit deeper and then you'll understand it and then you can give me feedback. No, you're not going to get to do that. As soon as you're done with your two minute or however many minutes you're allowed to talk, that's when you turn it off and you're just in listening mode. You're not you know, doing the nonverbals of, oh, I really want to just say this one thing. You're literally saying, what I'm going to learn is that I should have spoken differently about this with you. And what if I don't learn anything else, I've learned that I didn't pitch it in a way that they understood. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you'll learn a lot more than that. You'll get to insights and uncover aha moments. But if you cannot give yourself the room to do that, just say, all right, this is a practice in my pitch skills. And even doing that allows you to let go of this barrier right. to you know, trying to defend everything. You have to nurture the naysayer. Back to the naysayer. The reframing that moment like you said, you know, okay, maybe I just think about this as I'm practicing my pitch skills. 
that can be really helpful, right? That, that changes your mindset, changes how you're approaching this. You're a little bit less, less attached to the outcome uh, and you're just practicing a pitch so. I like that. I think it's useful to maybe for everyone, you know, everyday innovators to reflect a little bit where you are on this scale. Is it easy for you to move into being that the new learner and, and ha having the, the mindset of the beginner? Or is it easier for you to move towards the, I'm the expert, people come to me for the answers. And then how do you need to modify to make that work in, in a given situation for yourself? Okay. So small ideas, right? P push small things first, and maybe that's just a, a tiny little accomplishment that you want to do. So one of the things about me, I get super nervous doing any kind of public speaking, right? And it doesn't actually have to be public speaking, it can just be standing up in a group. And <clears throat> I start having that, I can't breathe sort of feeling, right? And it just, it comes over me. So in one setting, my objective, for my goal for that setting was to simply stand up and say something, right? And that was my win for that time. And for that day, for that meeting, that was huge accomplishment, right? And I wasn't even judging myself on what I said. It's like, okay, I, I got that done. That was a small step I needed so I could take bigger steps later, so. Yes, I think prototyping ourselves is part of prototyping innovation. That, hmm. you know, there's, there's little steps that are gonna lead to the big, big idea, the big presentation. And, and just taking that experimental mindset in doing that work, that it's okay that we, it's baby steps. I don't know the entire layout of where I'm moving forward, but each little step that I take forward gets me that much closer to it. Okay. Uh, th that was a great twittable, twittable. That was a great tweetable. <laughs> That's terrible. But phrase you just said, I was trying to get it down right. Prototyping ourselves. I don't know that I can repeat it. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have to go back to the recording here. I think yes. it was like prototyping ourselves leads to prototyping innovation, but I wasn't quite sure. And I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm plugged in, but I can see my computer is about to die and I need to replug it into a different wall. Okay. So everyone, we're taking a little time out right now. We're going to deal with the power issue and be back in just a moment. So we don't want a dead computer during the middle of this. And, but I will, in the show notes, you will find the proper phrase here that I thought was so good. It could be on a bumper sticker about prototyping ourselves. Because we got to remember, we're growing through this all the time, right? As we innovate, we're growing as people too. Okay. Thank you for that short Power pause. plugged in? Yes. I don't know good. what happened to that outlet. Okay. We're good. Okay. So small ideas, we can all be learning for sure. Small ideas. We're growing all the time, embracing that beginner mindset. What are some other skills here for doers? I think another skill is thinking about the no's. You're going to hear no mm. at every step. And that doesn't mean no. <laughs> it, you have to pause on those moments. It just means maybe if. There's, there's a different approach ahead of me. I have a whole chapter about turning no's into yeses. And it's really about co-collaboration with the people that are you know, finding fault and whatever the next steps might look like and creating that maybe if together. So it could be... And, and thinking about taking on this opportunity. You have an idea you want to go with and you say, you can map it out. I'm hearing no because, so you just put that on the post-it note. Maybe if, this is the next post-it note, maybe if I thought about it differently. And then the last one is, then what? I could do this differently. And I, I have examples within the book, but one that stands out given this moment that we're in was a woman that was head of facilities and she really wanted to, help shape the culture of the organization. They had gone from a small startup team of 12 to 300 
and then got acquired and became part of this big global organization. And they were losing touch of their culture. And in a moment when we were all sheltering in place and working from home. And so we went through this exercise together and it was, you know, she was brimming, to, you know, I just had so many ideas to, to affect culture. And so it was, no, because this isn't your job, you know, no, because we have this title somewhere else and no, because we need you to do this other work. And then we looked across, you know, the, the columns and said, well, maybe if you made it about the facilities and so they weren't in person. So how, what does facilities mean? in this moment, it's your home office. And so then what, the last column, she created these mo- brilliant moments of connection where people were able to post pictures of their home office as a competition and hmm. you know, the, the winner you know, getting a prize or a around the house scavenger hunt. And so she was creating culture and, and a, not, but not, not with the title. She didn't wait for the permission. She was able to make right. it fit within her role. And so I think allowing there to be no's, knowing there will be no's and saying, that's okay. That's not going to bring me down. I'm excited. I believe in this. I will be able to figure out a way forward with people. Yep. That's good. I appreciate the example right now too, as, as remote working is going on. Hopefully as we're listening to this, this is back to a more normal environment that we were in a few months ago, but it's where we are now as we're recording this. The maybe if is a great way to reframe this. There are people's people in organizations whose job it is to say no to new ideas, right? Some of them, it's, leader, it's literally to say no. If you go to legal department and ask if you can do something new, they're going to tell you all the reasons why you can't first. That's why they're there, to help us avoid risk. But organizations are fundamentally built around trying to optimize the efficiencies of the organization, and in some sense, optimizing excellence across the organization, right, for performance. So, us as innovators, as product managers that want to do something new, we're kind of bucking against the system, right? The, the system doesn't like new. The system likes increasing efficiency. So <clears throat> recognizing we're going to get lots of no's and turning them into maybe ifs is really powerful. So it's another good bumper sticker, maybe ifs. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and to, to your point on the, the legal compliance and other groups that are typically wearing the hat of no, mm-hmm. it could be creating the opportunity, the diversity at the table, people come from, coming from different areas and setting the stage to say, typically you're in the role to say no because, and typically you're in the role to have these wild ideas. What if we switched? Hmm. What if we had compliance go through this difficulty of being wild and, and hold, not holding back to why it won't work right. and, and had the wild idea thinker be disciplined and say, here's, here's some constraints you should consider. I think going into a team and recognizing that these are our natural defaults and trying to bend our thinking a little bit, it doesn't mean you're going to walk out of that meeting with this new great idea, but you are making the brain malleable and and kind of creating these little cracks where people can think differently. Yeah, it's a really good tip. I'm glad you, you brought it up. I was just about to ask you any other ideas for breaking through roadblocks, right? These barriers that get in place. And that's a really good one. There's a tool some people will recognize, uh, Six Thinking Hats. And the idea with six, six Thinking Hats, if you're in a meeting, if there's six people, is where it comes from. Everyone takes a different kind of perspective, right? Like the devil's advocate is one role that you would have. The person who is trying to connect and bring out emotions is another role. And it can be fun to switch those up. And just like you said, well, what if we ask the compliance people, the, the lawyers, the risk assessors, what if you were the innovators in this in this discussion? Um, let's just run with that for a little bit. It gives you empathy for the 
other roles that people have. Mm-hmm. You might look in the conversation and say, Ugh, here comes the you know, naysayers or negative Nellies. Here we go again. And then when you're given that title to do that, you might realize it's actually quite hard to point out all the different constraints that we should be considering or vice versa. So I think having empathy for how people think through problem solving and recognizing that your way is not the only way allows for there to be kind of, you know, leveling the playing field. Right. It's really good. Okay. And your book is full of other ideas for doers, right? Other skills that are needed to help us be more effective doers, both on our, on our own internal makeup and also within the organization and how we can push through these roadblocks and make a difference. So that's excellent. As innovator, as everyday innovators know, I love a good innovation quote. What do you have for us? Yes. And just to the point of what's in the book, mm-hmm. every chapter talks about the stories of doing this work within an organization, and then it has the exercise to actually go do the work. So if you're a solo person and worker, you can go do this work, or you can take mm-hmm. it to your teams, which I think the doing part is how you start to unlock this, is practicing your way forward. Yeah. It's more than theory, it's actually getting to work, which leads to the quote. Okay. A, a person with a new idea is a crank until the idea succeeds, by Mark Twain. A person is a new idea with a, a new person idea with a, a, new, with a idea new idea is a crank. Is a crank until the idea succeeds. Okay. What do you do with the crank? Yeah. Well, so why did you it, choose this one? I think every, every one of us has the opportunity to make an idea happen. It takes perseverance and grit. It takes collaboration and working with lots of people to you know, crank it forward and make it happen. And at any point, you will hit a barrier that's an easy no. Like, I, I need to... Ugh, Never mind. This is too hard. Mm. And you have to readjust, reflect, and decide how important it is to move forward. Certainly, there's reasons to not move forward. There's giant failures that you can learn from and and go pause on that idea and go run after another one. But usually, they're not showstopper reasons to to end the idea. There Mm. are things within yourself. And so thinking about it as a crank, that visual, it feels very monumental to how the work feels when you're doing the work. And it feels to me like you're making progress still, right? You're chipping away. You're cranking. Yeah, that's it, right? And trying to make those, you know, what ifs, the sort of moments. What if we looked at this differently? How can we make this a maybe to move forward? Um, taking action. Okay. Other good insights in start within to find out how to be a better doer. How can people find out about this book, find out about the work that you're doing? And also, since this is a product management audience, the learning that you've put together for LinkedIn Learning. Yeah, LinkedIn is a great way to connect. Our The book is start-within.com, so you can find okay. information, resources there at any time. You can buy it on Amazon. The Audible book is coming out in a, in a month, so if you're a, yeah. a listener, you work out and you want to learn, then that, yeah. that will be available soon. Who did you soon. get to read it for you? I'm sorry? Who, who did you get to read it for you? Courtney Lucian. Okay. I, I don't know Courtney. Or, you no, know, of course just, not. I'm, of course not. <laughs> but I'm, just, I, how did, I'm curious, how did this come about? So I, there were conversations that I should be the reader. Karen, this is, this is your thought leadership. Read it. And I don't have the equipment for that. I don't have the patience for that. I heard Courtney read my book, and I, I want to re-listen to the book just by how she <laughs> reads it herself. So I, I did not need it to be about me. I just wanted it to be about you know, sharing the information in a way that connected with people. And if you, you have a gift in that, you should that should be what you do. So mm-hmm. that was easy for me to say, someone else, please do this for me. 
Yeah, I was just kind of curious your thought process through that, right? And as product managers, this thing we're creating is our baby. Sometimes recognizing when we can get other people involved with specific strengths and skills is important. And just how, I was yes. curious how you thought about that. Well, that actually ties into my LinkedIn learning courses really well. I, I have two courses right now. I'm producing another one. The first one is on product innovation for product managers, and the second is launching the product. And both of those courses are part of the Become a Product Manager certificate that LinkedIn okay. Learning has created. And I creating courses online for, for people to use and not have that live feedback of a student in the classroom was challenging for me. And having a producer and a director and a co, you know, they have help in the writing process. I, all of that was part of the helping make this be more meaningful to others and getting to work with Douglas on this. You know, I, having written it by myself for some time before we met, there was so much more richness that came from this by having a co-author than it would have been by myself solo. So I'm all about collaboration and finding those, those people to only bring it up a level. Okay. So we have uh, startwithin.com. Uh, book obviously is on Amazon and also the link. Start dash within. Oh, start dash within. Thank you. I missed yes. that. So start dash within. Uh, all the correct URLs will be in the show notes for listeners, but for those of you that don't check, start dash within.com. Okay. Any personal website, business website for people to find out more about you? That's it. Okay. LinkedIn, I'm there or start dash within. Okay. Excellent. I appreciate the innovation quote. More importantly, I appreciate all the great tips for becoming a doer, both in terms of that personal mindset and more details in the book on that for sure. And then breaking through those barriers and getting action taken inside the organization. And thanks for just sharing some of your experience with us. It's been great. Yes, thank you. And guess what? I have a bonus question for you. So something you talk about in the book and kind of one, you know, part of the subtitle of the, the book too, you know, a, a job that you love. What can we do as product managers to actually help start crafting that to be a job that we love? And I talk to a lot of product managers. I have the pleasure of, of training them inside of companies. And for the most part, people really enjoy the work they get to do. They love the cross-functional nature of it, talking with others, the collaboration. They love this notion of bringing something new into existence that, that wasn't there before. And they uh, usually love creating value for the customer, right? Solving a problem and, and creating new value. But there's also aspects of the work that, you know, it's work. And I know some product managers are overwhelmed and have not enough time to get done what's on their plate and they feel super stressed and they don't necessarily love their job. So with that as context, what are some tips for helping to craft this job we love? Having that moment of not loving your job is an opportunity of self-reflection. What don't mm -hmm. I love? Is it because it became mundane? Where I was exploring and learning became routine and easy? If that's the answer, where are there growth edges that you can go beyond? Or maybe it evolved into a new job that you didn't want it to become. How do you redirect it and think about it? So it does start with yourself and thinking about what actually, what parts of the day do I love? What parts don't I love? How do I, you know, key into those? And generically speaking, as, as humans, we're wired to be excited around challenges that are just hard enough for me to be able to go solve you, you know. I look at it, it's not some challenge you're telling me about that is way outside of my wheelhouse. Like I can't even fathom what you're talking about. You're just in a whole other playing field. You're actually in my sandbox, but it's a little bit outside the edges of where I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. When we start to go into that kind of work, that little bit of uncomfortable is actually the exciting part. It's where you're learning, it's where you're stretching, it's where you're practicing new methods and models. 
And that's what you are looking for. And I think this moment that we're in right now, sheltering in place, working from home a bit more, you even have more opportunity to do that self-reflection. So you're not, you're in Zoom meetings perhaps all day, but you're also by yourself in front of a screen. And how do you turn that off? And even if it's just 10 minutes a day of reflection and saying, what felt good about today? What didn't when it comes to the work that I do? And how can I adjust that? And especially as we know that companies need us to innovate right now, business models need to change, products will need to change because of this new world that we're entering. This is now another chance for you to say, all right, here's what does and doesn't feel good. And I see this need because of how things are changing. Now there's overlap and that's the sweet spot for my idea to really flourish. Awesome. So self-reflection starts first, uh, identifying parts of the day that you like, don't like, you know, what, what's that word that you don't like. And I think a lot of us kind of get caught up in the, you know, the work that we don't like. It, it might be related to a weakness we have, or we just approach it. We feel like we have to overcome that. Instead, maybe we can find other people that love to do that work instead, right? And, and branch out our network a little bit. So, okay. Thank you That's so much, point. Karen. I appreciate you being here and sharing your information with us. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. You'll find the written notes of the discussion with Karen and that very valuable PDF action guide at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 292. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.